how do I sound? <laughs> you sound good. Sound good? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Not blowing right. out? No. Okay. No, you're good. Do I sound okay? I only made a couple minor adjustments. You sound amazing as always. I am amazing. You are amazing. Oh, well, thank you. You're the most amazing. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate Gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Ooh. Ooh. What? You're not Kathy. Maybe I ha- maybe I am. Maybe I have been the whole time. What? Cookies. <laughs> Cookies. <laughs> Cookies. 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 I like that your recording name is Butts Butts Butts. Butts 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 Butts. We should probably mention who you are and why you're here and where Kathy is. Uh, I am Kathy. I'm always been oh. Kathy. I have been Kathy this whole time. Cookies. Mm. <laughs> I am unconvinced. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Jeff. A.K.A. Greffrey. A.K.A. A.K.A. My Beloved. Hello. Yeah. So happy news is that my beloved Greffrey, Jeffrey, is joining us today. Sad news is that Kathy will not be joining us today because she needs a little time off. And that is fine because we have amazing people to help me keep the podcast going. When are the amazing people coming on? Uh, after you. Oh. Colin. Good. Colin's going to be joining yeah. us next week. So that's who I'm talking about. Hell Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that'll be good times. Coconut is probably going to make at least one guest appearance on this podcast. Most likely multiples. And Lily will probably whine a little bit as well. Because we are recording in the same apartment, although yes. not in the same room, because I want to make sure I've got multiple <laughs> tracks. Hopefully this is sound gated down enough so that it won't pick up the rest of the room. But we'll find out. But we'll find out if it picks up Coconut and Lily and all the things happening outside as you're recording from the living room and mm-hmm. I am in my typical giggle box. Giggle box. All right, cool. Yeah. How are you doing today, my beloved? Not that anyone knows who you are, but... I'm doing well. How are you, my beloved? <laughs> I am good. I've had a couple beers with my sweetie, mm-hmm. who is you, and we had a lovely lunch with my sweetie's parents, it's who are your parents. Yeah. yeah. It's been a good day. And currently I am drinking a coffee, a cold brew coffee from Starbucks, and it has some rum I in it. I believe it's so enhanced, yes. It has been enhanced with mm. some rum, so I am doing great today. Excellent. Yeah. How are you? Oh, fantastic. So obviously we cannot talk about Stargate SG-1 without Kathy, no. because she would not want to miss a single episode. But I didn't want to skip the podcast altogether this week, so... What do you think we should talk about today that might be at least tangentially related to Stargate, but that is not Stargate SG-1? You know, it's uh, it's interesting you say that because I was thinking mm-hmm. Richard Dean Anderson, of course, yeah. very well known for his role on MacGyver. Oh, yes. As the titular Angus MacGyver. <laughs> Angus? His first name is Angus. That, is it seriously? That is canonical. I had no idea. <laughs> well, you know, when you have the deep level knowledge of MacGyver that I have, you learn these yeah, things. Of course. Yes. You've watched like all of two episodes, which is about the same as how many I've watched. Uh, I have watched all of MacGyver, my love. Have you really? Yes. I grew well, up then... on MacGyver. Oh, shit. Yeah. No way. Okay. <laughs> then I, never mind. I, I knew I, Richard I... Dean Anderson as MacGyver <laughs> well before I knew him as Jack O'Nee two L's. Fair enough. I thought that you had were like me and had not really watched any MacGyver. Okay. I mean, it's been decades, so watching okay. uh, season five, episode 13, uh, certainly not something I remembered off the top of my head. We bring that up because in this episode, Christopher Judge, credited yes. as Doug Judge, 
Doug. plays a role. So this is canonical SG-1, of course. Of course. He's even listed as Teal'c in my notes. Right, of course. Same in my. Right. My headcanon, yeah. of course, is that this is Jack O'Neill doing Black Ops shit right. before SG-1. Yeah, obviously. And this is Teal'c as first prime of Apophis doing some sort of undercover Black Ops shit. Right, also trying to do some infiltration before he had his change of heart. Right. And, yeah. you know, he had his kitten play hair. <laughs> that really is what that hairstyle was. So canonical teal uh, hat watch this is pre-gold tattoo so he didn't need the hat watch right. yet yeah. yeah just just really yeah. tall tall hair yeah i think everyone's figured that we're talking about macgyver at this point yeah. macgyver season five episode 13 i don't remember the name of it live and learn live and learn right. we could have talked about it from the beginning like season one episode one but that's too easy i thought we would do it right to season five here because it's the christopher judge episode. well i mean you, you gotta have the one where doug judge is on there Yeah, exactly. Since you're way more familiar with MacGyver than I am, maybe you can answer some of the questions that I had as a non-MacGyver person watching this show. Mm -hmm. I will, I'll bring them up. Okay, as we go along. I I will clarify, of course, that I watched MacGyver as it aired. (laughs) I believe the last episode of MacGyver aired somewhere in 1992. So uh, it's been 30 years since I've seen MacGyver. Well, you still probably know more about it than I do. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely referenced the uh, other guy as Bald Man. Okay. That guy, I was like, I'm, I feel like I should know who this guy is. I don't is, think but... they introduce him in this episode. Okay. But I just had, in my notes, he's just well-meaning guy in suit. He's he's definitely like MacGyver's guy. Yeah, like, okay. He's the guy in the chair who, who hangs out at the Phoenix Foundation. That was one of my questions yeah. is, is this guy that I should know? Because they never say his name. Yeah. If you've seen MacGyver up to this point in season five, you, you should know who this guy is. Um, okay. And I actually, uh, do my notes even have, nope, just bald man. <laughs> bald man. He is a WMGS, well-meaning guy. Yeah, in well-meaning in guy in suit. Yeah. Well-meaning so bald guy So before we get too, yeah. <laughs> before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we should probably start way back at the beginning mm-hmm. Which would be the beginning of the episode. There's no cold open the way that SG-1 has. I was a little bit disappointed by that. We do get a really epic theme song, which I'm sure everyone could probably hear in their head. Even me as a non-MacGyver person knew the theme song. We also get tons of shots of Richard Dean Anderson, man of action and mullet, Mm -hmm. diffusing bombs and jumping. Lots of jumping. He's often jumping off of things or out of things or through things yep. or, in the last one, onto things yep. in the case of a train. And away from explosions. Yep. And away from explosions, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. And uh, and there's some panning shots of a Soviet map. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah. So it's a way more exciting theme than we get for Stargate, where we are getting like mostly scanning over that Pharaoh face or, you know, a couple of glamour shots of, of the team and then a couple action shots, but mostly glamour shots of the team. Well, this episode was released January 15th of 1990. Mm. So if we think about the time when this was filmed, maybe like six months before, like the summer of 1989, the Soviets were still the enemy. Way more research than I bothered to do. <laughs> Although, to be fair, I did do research into the science aspects of this. Uh-huh. So. Oh, good. We've, we've, we've got our priorities. Well, most of my notes are just jokes, so. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> we start in the interior of a classroom. It's a focused shot of someone who we learn to be MacGyver is basically doing a bar bet where he's balancing some forks and a matchstick. And that's the kind of thing that you bet people at a bar that I can't do this and you get the next round of drinks. So 
MacGyver's got bar bets covered. Too bad he's in a high school where right. everyone is too well, too young to be drinking. I, I would like to bring that up too because I researched every single student in that classroom. <laughs> and and wow. uh, Mr. Judge there, Mr. Doug Judge, as he is credited, not Christopher Judge. He is 25 at the time of this filming. Wow. And every other person in that classroom is above the legal drinking age of 21. <laughs> so I don't know if it was like the 90s or like... People don't know how old high school students are, but you yeah. couldn't get anyone who was appropriate. Yeah, they're all in their 20s. It's ridiculous. Think of 90210. They had like a 30-year-old right. guest as a, as a teenager on that show. They just didn't give a shit, I guess. And nope. I'm going to give away my feelings on the episode right now. This is probably one of the weakest episodes of MacGyver. And oh. it is one of these must-see TV, very special episodes the it, whole time. Yeah. It definitely had that feeling. It's really rough. Even I, as a non-MacGyver person, knew that. <laughs> it's really tough. It's, yeah. So, yeah, we're inside this classroom. My man, Mac, is teaching people about Archimedes. Famous quotes of, if I had a lever, I can move the world, right? Right. And he's got his power mullet. And that that is a staple. The power mullet is a MacGyver staple. Through and Absolutely. through the entire series, everyone knows it. MacGyver mullet, right? Yeah. Even though he's not Canadian. That's fine. We'll let him go. <laughs> he loves hockey. You know, what can I tell? He does. As we're in this scene, Teal'c is talking shit. Big deal, man. And he's definitely set up as the hurdy-gurt jock. So it's a yeah. jock versus nerds. Very special episode. Uh, and then MacGyver ends up flipping this guy on the ground. Can you imagine? You have, you have taught high school. I have. Granted, it was only one year and it was a private school and I was teaching remotely because it was the pandemic. <laughs> if you flipped a child on their back in <laughs> class, that wouldn't go over well. No, I do not think it would. Also, a kid sitting in class with their feet up on the desk right? would not have gone over well, which is what it's, our friend Darren very, slash Teal slash Chris Judge slash yeah. Doug was doing. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you got his character's name because I just have him yeah. written as Teal. His character's name was Darren, but yeah, I've got him listed as Tilk in my notes because it's, it's young Tilk. We all know right. it's young Tilk. Yeah. Uh, a key in this scene, though, is that they do pan the camera over another nerd in another mullet is tinkering with something. Mm. Clearly an electronic gizmo. I also had to note that the giant slide rule that they had above the chalkboard. Yes, somehow I missed it that It was <laughs> freaking huge. Nice. It had to have just been like, we had this prop. It says science, classroom, slide rule. <laughs> it's pretty great. So giant slide rule. I don't know how I missed that, but I did. MacGyver teaches Teal'c a lesson about center of gravity and leverage and puts him on his ass. It's, of course, Teal'c is a football player, Hurdy-Gurt. So right. here's this wiry guy who's flipping me around. How is that possible? I think they actually made a, a, a note of how heavy he is and something like 230 pounds or whatever. He is six foot three, two hundred twenty-five pounds. Oh. Because MacGyver guessed that he was two thirty, okay. and Tilk said two twenty-five. Okay. So all lean, mean, Which muscle machine. Reminded me that I used to be really good at guessing weights back in my personal right. trainer days. You saw, I right. would guess people's weights when we were watching like those random weight loss oh, shows. Yeah, and I was yeah. always within like five pounds of those people, and I was proud of that skill. If if you saw Doug in real life, you think you could guess? I could probably guess, yeah. The trivia that I like the most about it is looking up on IMDb that he was credited as Doug, and it turns out that. <laughs> Christopher Judge is actually Douglas Christopher Judge, and yeah. his stage name now is Christopher. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah, I had no idea. Well, I, I think he realized early enough that Doug Judge is really, really annoying to say. 
Yeah. I'm not going to say my sister's name, but you know my sister's yeah. name and our maiden name right. and uh, her one syllable first name and our ma- yeah. one syllable maiden name was not a name she liked no. going by. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's ve- that's very like uh, uh, explosive. Yeah. The bell rings. Tony Maloney Baloney is just an asshole. I thought it was dumb. Like, yeah. you're just like, look at this asshole kid. He's just tinkering with some shit and whatever, and he doesn't care. Yeah, and that's pretty much exactly how high school is. I mean, it's how high school was, and it's how high school currently is. You just tinkering talk shit. Yeah. on electronics and talking shit to their teachers? Yeah, you can talk shit to whomever you want. There's no repercussions whatsoever. I'm glad that I teach at college level that... <laughs> <laughs> It's, I think you're being facetious. Well, it's just like the whole thing was just a hallmarks of a very special episode. Yeah. Yeah. So we get introduced to Tony, who's going yeah. to be a pretty major player in this episode. We find out that this is a remedial class, mm-hmm. but Tony is too smart to be in there, but he doesn't apply himself. No. So he's on his way to becoming a dropout. Brilliant, but lazy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, as is typical. Out in the hall, we meet Mrs. Juarez, mm-hmm. who's the principal, and she's talking to some student that we find out is pregnant and also at risk of dropping out, even though she's trying to tell the kid, you can for sure graduate on time, everything will be fine, we'll help you out, everything's fine. And then the girl walks away, and she's like, yeah, that kid's totally dropping out. So, <laughs> cool, Mrs. Juarez, that's awesome. This, this is my first entrance in my notes for a, quote, very special episode. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, and also yeah. my third different spelling of Tony Maloney. <laughs> Tony Milani, Milani, Maloney. I don't know yeah, something like Milani. that. I didn't bother to write his last yeah. name down. Well, they did have seven hundred thousand dropouts in this school. They did have, yeah, which is a lot which is considering that, like, way, that's way more than like, kids. Just that, way more, like that's right. maybe there nationwide. aren't even that many kids who have ever gone through this school, but yet more <laughs> more children have then have ever gone to the school have managed to drop out of the school. Hundred thousand. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe the line was supposed to be 700 to 1,000. Yeah, that would have made way more sense. Like over a decade, I, that would make yeah. sense. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's not the line. So Mrs. Juarez, once the girl leaves, is talking to well-meaning guy in suit. Phoenix oh. Foundation guy. And apparently they have a new program that they're going to try to get to work here because they're trying to help kids to not drop out of school. So they're walking down the hall and talking, and there is so much graffiti right? on the walls. Is there really any school anywhere that has this much graffiti on the walls? Uh, yeah. Yeah. When when were they doing that? Maybe there's more of a problem with kids breaking into schools than I realize. I mean, even even in our, our very... Our very white collar school that you and I both went to, the kids were breaking in all the time. Sure. So yeah, maybe I'm underestimating how often this happens. But also they had that maintenance guy putting the, the paint on with yeah. a, like a one inch paintbrush. Yeah. Why was he like using the world's yeah. tiniest roller to paint over <laughs> It wasn't even a roller. Wall. He needs a roller. <laughs> yeah. My dude was using a brush. It sucked. He was using a tiny brush to paint over the big wall of graffiti and there was very meaningful music playing. Maybe he's paid by the hour, in which case, more on you, dude. Can't like blame it. him yeah. for that, though. It's probably yeah, a union right? job. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That was that thrilling scene. Yeah. That walk and talk actually turned into a walk and talk without the talk. It did. Yeah. Because then it was just the meaningful music meaningful in the close-up music, of the guy and, playing over the But they're still like following the characters. Yeah. And so we, we get to a different classroom with science stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and all kinds of all science kinds stuff. of science stuff and a bunch of presumably nerds standard nerds doing mm-hmm. nerds things right only nerds do science only nerds and that's where right. uh they they don't actually say the teacher's name but the guy with like the the 12 head 
the good guy was named Gus. The guy in the cardigan and the tie. Yes. I'm like, who dresses like that? But uh, granted, the dress code for teachers nowadays is very different yeah, than wild. it was back in the 80s. It's much more relaxed now. Yeah. So the 15 head guy, he's Gus. <laughs> he's the nice science guy. <laughs> Gus points at the electrical display. I'm not even sure what this nerd was doing. The guy from the Phoenix Foundation, well-meaning guy in suit. Yeah. Points at the diorama and says, oh, it's Dr. What's-His-Name. <laughs> Frankenstein? What's-His-Name. It's pronounced Frankenstein. <laughs> Frankenstein's monster yeah. is what the kid had displayed. <laughs> and apparently well-meaning guy in suit couldn't No, Dr. What's-His-Name. <laughs> make that connection. <laughs> I thought it was Dr. What's-His-Name. Yeah. yeah. And so Tony Bologna comes in the room with his science thing <laughs> that he was tinkering on. And, and I don't know, causes chaos? Causes Dr. What's-His-Name to blow up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was this device? I don't know. What did it do? Why? Yeah. Was Tony Baloney, no he was in that classroom while MacGyver is flipping Teal'c over, his, over Keister and Kettle and is yep. like, all right. I gotta blow up that kid's I'm, Frankenstein. I'm gonna blow up Frankenstein. <laughs> Who cares about the big jock getting flipped over on his ass? Let me design a remote whose sole purpose is to blow up Doctor What's His Name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Doctor What's His Name. I, sometimes I just don't get it. Who wrote these episodes? Maybe TV should not be like thirty episodes a season. You think? You get these, mm. but that sets up the chase. Which is, my notes say, it sets up the chase through the hallway, which is just, comma, chef's kiss. Mark, mark, mark. <laughs> this chase, oh, this chase through the hallway is amazing. It is. Can you hear your dog? <laughs> of course I can hear that. <laughs> yes. I can hear it through the headphones and also through the wall. <laughs> it's made worse by the fact that they're staring at me. Of course they are. <laughs> They just chase through the hallway. What were they doing? Was this right? I, I don't know if this was like second unit shooting or what, or like primary filming, but it was so badly staged. It really was the, the thing with the trash can, like ugh. the knocked over trash can to slow everybody down. And then I especially liked when Tony was hiding behind the door. Yes, and then the oh nerd guy God. runs through. <laughs> Like, just runs through, and then for whatever reason, Tony yells, hey, and then jumps on him. Like, how does that make any sense? <laughs> Why hide right. if you're going to yell, hey, and give yourself away before then jumping on the kid? Which, which is why my notes simply say, what is even happening? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. But it does introduce us to George Fraley. It does. Yeah. He's important. He is. Yep. He's played by James Sloyan. He's a Star Trek you know, that James. guy. Is he really? Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't even recognize that. Does he always have like some kind of like loaf and stuff? On yeah, his face? he's a very uh -huh. loafy guy. So like he mm -hmm. did TNG bit point uh, roles, but he also famously played Doctor Mora in DS Nine, who was responsible for finding Odo. Oh no right. way! Really? So so he had a lot of time on that episode of like wow. being James. He was basically just George Fraley on that episode because he didn't understand why people didn't like his genocide or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so he, he's a loafy guy. He did Jatrell from Voyager and, 
and wow. and uh, and really Dr. Moya from DS9 is what he's known for. That's awesome. I had did not recognize him at all without all the stuff on his uh, face. I just I recognized the actor immediately and I was just like, "Oh man, who is that guy?" But yeah, he comes in and he's very upset about the troubled youths. He actually says he troubled youth comes from troubled father. Like he yeah, uses the phrase yeah, namby pamby. Like this is not pretty... a good guy. No, he's not. He's very bad. <laughs> He's kind of an ass. And we learn he's basically the asshole skeptical teacher who right. just thinks that everyone's destined for failure. Outside, elsewhere, we're in a random construction site, and the school has called about Tony because this is where Tony's dad, Nick, works. In the trailer, though, while they're waiting for Nick, mm. they're hanging out in there, we learn that the construction site is two weeks behind schedule, and there's a guy in a suit who's presumably yeah. funding this whole thing who tells the foreman to be creative and catch up. And you know what I mean by be creative. Would this be the opposite of well-meaning man in a suit? This would be the opposite of well-meaning so man like in a suit. So like bad-meaning yes. man this in a suit. Bad, bad-meaning man in a suit. I, I have yes. a note here. It's a real blue versus white collar. <laughs> it is for sure that, yeah. Obviously, we know that's not going to end well. It's true. Yeah. So we're back in the school yeah. again. MacGyver, the well-meaning teacher in Cardigan. Gus. Uh, the, the fifth, Gus, the 15-head guy. <laughs> um, the well-meaning guy in a suit and Tony are all just hanging out in there for reasons. Nick comes in, mm -hmm. immediately goes over, starts yelling at Tony. Tears into him. Right. Immediately. Like, not, not even giving the kid the benefit of the doubt. Just immediately starts yelling at him in front of everybody. And then the principal comes in and calls them into her office. And so they go in to have a chat. Later on in a classroom, the well-meaning guy in a suit is standing in front of a board with the very neatly written Project Uplift and some diagrams written on it. And I am so glad we don't have to teach on chalkboards anymore. <laughs> this, this scene is awesome. Just awesome. Who put that up there? When did right. they draw that? Were the teachers sitting there in the boardroom going, hmm, Project Uplift, huh? No, don't look at this. No, it's not. We're not ready yet. <laughs> we'll get there when we'll we get, get there. there. <laughs> don't look at it yet. Yeah. So, yeah. So, apparently, this Project Uplift thing is their mentor program. It's a two-pronged approach, and it is very comprehensive. So, there's a science program that involves a, a scholarship mm -hmm. to a school. Why they only focused on science and not any other kind of subject material, who knows? But then the there's 90s. also a mentor program, and that mentor program is going to involve recognizing children who are at risk of dropping out early and then assigning them two positive role models that will, quote, take an active and personal interest in their success. And that just sounded a little bit too creepy and inappropriate did you, to me. Did you notice, like, how keyed in Gus was, though, at that time? Of course. Mm. Cardigan was <laughs> Ooh, all yes. over that. <laughs> yeah. So they will get two mentors, but George, the asshole teacher from before, is like, yeah, but fences are cheaper. Time is money, but Mac. <laughs> MacGyver points out that this program is free. So George starts going in on how everybody is just so happy with how modern they are. And you're just trying to spare the rod and spoil the child. And this is all nouveau pap, which neither I, as an educator of sorts, nor the internet actually know what the <laughs> definition of that is. I searched for quite a while well, and could not find a definition for that. I mean, nouveau, obviously French for new. Pap is just sort of slang for garbage, I guess. Is it? I don't I know. Get, I mean, I, it's just all nouveau pap to George. Apparently. So the nice teacher, Gus, Gus, 
really is interested and wants to know more about who the role models would be. And it's going to be a teacher and an upstanding citizen mm. of some sort from the community. A pillar of the community, if you will. Although I would but, like to point out that one of my favorite podcasts, uh, which is And That's Why We Drink, which mm-hmm. talks about true crime and the supernatural, always points out that the upstanding citizens and pillars of the communities are always the ones that turn out to be serial killers. <laughs> so uh, maybe that's not the route you want to take. If there's someone to get away with it, it's going to be Angus. It's true. Yeah. This, this is why they only refer to him as MacGyver, by the way. So long story short, the principal's all in on this. That's obviously why MacGyver and the well-meaning guy in the suit are here. And they have decided that Tony is going to be their first subject, which makes me feel icky because as I've recently mentioned, I was talking in one of the last few lectures of my class about how various people were often made subjects to various experiments involuntarily. So the fact that they call Tony a subject here was (laughs) a little creepy feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like nouveau pep. It does feel like Nouveau Pap, whatever the hell Nouveau Pap is. Do you think you could work that into some of your lectures? Nouveau Pap? No. I don't know. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot think of any way that I could possibly work that into any of my lectures. (laughs) So yeah, that does bring up who's the teacher going to be. That's where we get the spit take to commercial. Why not make it George, (laughs) who uh, hates everything and all students, and then of course also MacGyver. George has lost that spark. He has lost that spark. He needs why would they to pick George? Back. Why would they pick George instead of Gus and here, though? Gus. Because Gus was clearly all in on this program. Yeah. Why would they pick someone who wants the program to fail as one of the people that is going to be like premiering the program? This, this it makes no sense. It does feel like not not to make it overly political, but it just feels like Reagan era politics, where just like if we work hard enough, we can be what we want to be. And they're just using the secret to put it out in the world, saying, mm-hmm. you know, George can be the guy we need him to be. I don't know. If we only trust that George will be the guy we need him to be, right. he will be the guy we need it him to be. sounds like Nouveau Pap to me. That is Nouveau Pap. <laughs> we don't know what it is, but we know it's that. That's right. Does Pap mean trash? I don't even know. know. Nouveau Papa is actually what technically would be paper, right. but new paper, but... Like I said, nothing on the internet had any answers for me. So maybe it's just like a, an anglization of nouveau papa. Maybe. But then what's a pap smear? That's actually named for the guy who came up with the procedure. Mm. That I do know. So maybe it's a new version of that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that in public. No. Schools, thank you. <laughs> anyway, moving on. It brings us to the yeah. exterior of the Milani household. Milani? Maloney? Mal- I don't remember. Milani. Actually, I looked it up on IMDb, and I think it was spelled like the city. Milan. Milan? Okay. Yeah, but with an I. Milani. Milan is spelled with an I. Yeah. But at the end, Milani. But in Aramaic, Jehovah spelled with an I. <laughs> <laughs> Clever girl. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Oh, man. Can you imagine a... Uh, Indiana Jones, but Jurassic Park. I can't because it would make my head explode yeah. and then I would die just yeah. from delight. 
uh, just be too much joy in one place and I couldn't handle it. But basically, Jurassic Park. Okay, so Indiana Jones, yeah. the character, yeah, is on Isla Nublar, yeah, during the events of Jurassic Park, yeah, but yeah. he's hosting a dinner party, a la the movie Clue. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that Indiana Jones 5 is going to take place on Isla Nublar? I'm hoping that I actually just wrote the script for Indiana Holy Jones shit. 5. Yes. Can't be any worse than Indiana Jones 4. Oh, come on. Crystal Skulls and aliens. Not great. Everyone loves them. No. We already did a whole episode on Crystal Skulls. True. Not going there again. True. Yeah. The SG-1 take on it was better because everyone was True. really sarcastic about it. Yes. And in the end, it was a small German man. That's the name of my sex day. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're outside the Milani yeah. household. Yeah. George and Mac have a conflict. They do. They do. He's just being a bastard. God, I'm a bastard. He is. And, and it really goes to show that George, he's lost that spark. He doesn't want to teach anymore. He doesn't want to do it. He does not believe that children can be better than what they are. And yet they're bringing that energy to the Milani household and they knock on the door. Mrs. Milani, presumably, presumably, never actually introduces them. Nope. They never say who she is. Nope. This episode does not pass the Bactel test, by the way. It does not. They go in there and George and Mac are talking about Tony. This is where I started to realize that the dad can't read. Yeah. He can't. I didn't catch it in this scene. I had my feeling in the scene before where they introduced him when it was just like, Ah, your kid's going blah, blah, blah. And they were like, he just sort of disregards everything. But then it's yeah. pretty clear in this scene he can't read. Mac presents him with a paperwork that says he's no longer suspended as long as he does this thing. Right. And I had assumed at this point that it was just because he didn't care, not because he couldn't read. Exactly. But... And that's what it seems like we're in 1990 and we're still doing a very special episode about illiterate adults. Was right. it a big problem? I don't I don't know. I mean, like... I have no idea. I, I was a child at that time, but... I don't know. I didn't. I guess I didn't have a lot of adults around me who couldn't read. I'm sure to a certain extent it is still a problem, but yeah. I don't know that it is more or less of a problem now than it was then. We also find out in this scene that they're renting the house. Did we? Yeah. He says, oh, I pay I rent. That. Oh, I missed Which that. Which just seems strange. Well, we've done that. Of course. I don't know. Was Did they ever actually say where this was set? Phoenix? Outside of Phoenix? Somewhere Phoenix adjacent well the place that mac works for is the phoenix foundation mm. which is headquartered in washington dc oh well they said something about talking to the people at phoenix so i had assumed that they meant the city of phoenix but yeah maybe they meant not the phoenix foundation phoenix yeah. corporation yeah or phoenix foundation yeah. okay well I, that was one of my many questions is what the hell does macgyver actually do for a living is he a cop is he a spy <laughs> what is his job yeah he's macgyver okay yeah didn't didn't you read his resume nope sure didn't. yeah macgyver stuff yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Like, it felt like San Francisco to me. Mm. Like, the okay. the locations looked like San Francisco, but I don't, they never actually said what it was. But, man, those Milanis, they got Brooklyn accent for days, don't they? That is just <laughs> sure top do. of, is that yeah. just, is that Hollywood shorthand for guy who works at a construction site? Probably. Hey, we're building hey. here. Uh Hey, what's that? I can't read. Forget about it. <laughs> Apologies to any New York listeners. But yeah, 
Mac and George are talking to the parents, and the parents just don't seem really interested in helping their son. They've already written him off. The mom is more interested in helping him than the dad. My impression was, anyway. She, yes, Nick did not care at all. In fact, Nick wanted the son to just drop out of school and get a job already because he felt it was destined to happen, so he might as well get a job sooner rather than later. The mom still seemed to have at least some hope for him. You know, there's something they could do. Right. So she sent them down to the basement mm-hmm. to talk to him, which is apparently where he hangs mm-hmm. out. What happened in the basement? Oh, in the basement. Mm-hmm. He's working on some stuff again. There's all kinds of electronics everywhere. And, of course, the obligatory posters of women and bodybuilders yeah. on the walls also. But no women bodybuilders. No women bodybuilders. No. Absolutely not. You can't have strong women no. for sure. No. They've either got to be ladies in bathing suits or male bodybuilders yes. can't be both. Yeah. Obviously, say Obviously. that facetiously Duh. as I am currently working on bodybuilding as my fitness goal. What, what your listeners can't see here is that Mary is actually bench pressing <laughs> me as we do this. That's true. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So Mac finds a schematic and reads thermocoupler amplifier, mm-hmm. and he's impressed. I might be too if I had any idea of what that meant, but I don't. A thermocoupler is an integrated electronic device that can read temperatures. And an amplifier takes a signal and makes it stronger. Well, I got that part of it. Uh, <laughs> so you would never have a thermocoupler amplifier. Okay. I would really like a listener to say like, well, actually, here's where thermocouple amplifiers are used. <laughs> but my understanding of electronics is that that just sounds like two words that we put together. Mm, that happens a lot in Stargate. Uh-huh. I'm not that surprised to find that it also happens here. MacGyver keeps looking around being nosy in this kid's basement because that's totally appropriate. And he finds an intro to electrical engineering textbook, but Tony just brushes that off saying that he just uses it as a doorstop. And MacGyver's like, well, electrical engineering pays way better than $6 an hour. George, in front mm-hmm. of the kid, points mm-hmm. out that we're just wasting our time here. <laughs> so, wow, what an ass. George. Why are you teaching, my dude? Right. Maybe just like, this ain't for you. It's maybe time to move on, George. Anyway, George doesn't think it's time to move on. So MacGyver tells Tony that he's wasting his talent. Tony doesn't think he has Mm. any talent. But MacGyver is like, you know what? That remote and these schematics and this thing that you're working on here, you're really talented. And going to school is at least going to give you a chance of doing a thing that you might want to do. If you drop out of school, you'll have no chance of that. So MacGyver's got a good point. And he tells Tony, I'm going to see you in science class tomorrow. How about that? We're uh, repealing your suspension that happened earlier today because of the little explosion mm. that happened and uh, see you tomorrow. And the weird chase through the hallway. And the weird chase through the hallways with the thrown trash cans yeah. and the hiding behind doors and hey! the yelling at people. <laughs> this does lead, though, outside to uh, Mac and George making a bet with each other. Yeah. They never actually put real terms on it. That's real low stakes. So, you know, George obviously doesn't think Tony's going to, anything's going to happen with Tony and Mac is full of all kinds of hope. Right. Well, the stakes are that if Tony doesn't show up, then George is off the hook for being a mentor in this program. And if Tony does show up, then George has to run the entire program once (laughs) MacGyver leaves. That's perfect person to do it. Low stakes. That's a lot of extra work, actually, for a teacher who's already overworked, as we learn later. So very maybe these are higher stakes than I'm really Mm. giving them credit for being. Yeah, I guess I I was just thinking uh, like the capitalist I am. I was just thinking about a pure dollar value. (laughs) So you're absolutely right. You know, yeah, it's the hidden costs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So back in the school mm-hmm. later, MacGyver has a full cart of stuff and he is wheeling it to the classroom. George finds him outside of the classroom and teases him for losing his bet. <laughs> oh, but I, I all guess. of a sudden, Tony <laughs> comes in. Yeah. 
flying yeah. in with his power mullet. So, take that, George. Yeah. Screw you. I have a, a, a quick note here. Yeah. Uh, it says, next day, interior classroom lab. George Smarms. Max Smarms back. <laughs> they do indeed both they smarm both at each other. They both just smarm at each other. It's just yeah. a lot of smarming. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the chef's kiss, as you would mm. say, yum, yum, yum. on this scene is that we find out that Tony's dad yeah. thinks that he's looking for a job uh-huh. because he wouldn't approve of Tony going yeah. to school. This is my, my line in the Oof. notes says, Tony lies to his parents. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that he had to lie to his parents yeah. about going to school instead oh, of gosh. looking for a job. That's rough. Yeah. That's pretty. It's pretty yeah. crazy. Do we think that's uh, RDA's real hair? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You think he grew He's out the mullet and hair. just kept it? Yeah. Not a wig? No, I don't think it's a wig. I think that's his real hair. He's still got super nice hair in he SG1, does. Yeah. even though it's shorter. Yeah. I think that's totally his real hair. Right. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just. I mean, it was the 80s. Why wouldn't he have had a mullet? If he had nice hair like that, why wouldn't you have a mullet back then? I can. I can Other than the fact. I can think that of a lot of reasons. Very unattractive, <laughs> but. <laughs> like, I, if you could and they were stylish and your were, show producers they, I mean, wanted like, you I to. know people had them, but why? I mean, MacGyver had one, so... I guess. And every hockey player ever. Isn't it kind of like the, the male version of the Rachel, but like a decade earlier? Because <laughs> MacGyver had it, so I guess all guys needed... I don't know how 80s worked. I was alive then, but I was like barely functional. <laughs> I did really want a rat tail, though. I don't know why. I really wanted a rat tail. Wow. Yeah. Nice. It was I'm glad thing. that your parents did not allow that. Right. Well, now now that I'm in control of my own hair... Now you've got a rat, rat tail on the top. I'm kind of there. Essentially. Yeah. I'm going to start braiding it. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Tiny rat tail braid. Yeah. As the person that actually cuts your hair these days, I approve. You heard a divorce in real time, listeners. <laughs> uh-huh. This might be the last episode I'm ever on. It, well, it's for sure the last episode that you're ever on. But that's, that's <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> wow. I can't say that. You might have to guest as Santa Claus again someday or as a random <laughs> ghost in my closet again someday oh like ghost. you did in the past. Anyway, back in the classroom, yeah. we find out that there are two like aquarium tanks mm-hmm. full of dirt on this cart that MacGyver has. And Tilk is there again. We get to see him at least one more time before the end of the episode. And he thinks that the machine that MacGyver has might be a Martian, Martian toothbrush. <laughs> Martian toothbrush? <laughs> Everyone laughs, and including MacGyver. But MacGyver tells them, nope, it's a nuclear density something to measure soil density. Nuclear <laughs> densometer. Thank you. I've said it's a nuclear density to yeah. measure soil density. I'm like, that's not it, a sentence. It does, it does exactly what it says on the yeah. tin. So. Right, it measures the density of the soil, so we find out that even though the two tanks look like they have the same density of soil in them, Tony, who acts Mm. as MacGyver's assistant and switches the machine between the two tanks and turns the on button, because that's a challenging role, Mm -hmm. realizes that the density is actually different between the two. And MacGyver asks why that might be important. Tilk says it would be important because you can see how much punishment a football field can take. Well, and, of course, everyone laughs All goes back laughs. to football. And then Tony is like, but maybe for a construction site, it would help you figure out how far down the pilings should go to prevent a collapse in an earthquake. Wow. Hmm. Good job, Tony. More like Tony Baloney. No. <sighs> Took's definitely the uh, comedy relief in this scene, huh? He is, yeah. Martian toothbrush. Good one. Oh, ah! Chulak toothbrush. 
Uh, I expect some sort of Teal'c laugh uh, drop here. <laughs> Tony apparently walks home, so school is close to wherever they're renting. Yeah. And then he decides to terrify his mother for some reason. <laughs> you know, why, why not? Why is that an option, dude? <laughs> he purposefully starts like sneaky man, like he clicks True. in the right stick and is is hidden. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Come on, Tony. Don't do it's that. Your mom. Women are on edge enough. For, right? <laughs> don't, don't. Sneak up behind them. <laughs> grab them. Ah! Yeah. yeah. And, but yeah, in, in better news, Nick says a guy got hurt. And Nick's really yeah. happy about that. <laughs> I know. Nick's a fucking asshole. <laughs> so bad. But interestingly enough, it does bring up the fact that he's arranged a job for Tony at $10 an hour. Woo! I have a question for you, sweetie. Yes. What is the current federal minimum wage here in the United States in the year of 2022? I do not know, but I know that my first minimum wage job was 4.20 an hour. So $10 an hour back in the 80s sounds uh-huh. like a lot to me. Isn't it $12 an hour? It now? is $7.25. Oh, geez. yeah. Yikes. Okay. I know in Connecticut it's 15, 12ish. Yeah. Well, it's will, going it up to 15. 15 yeah. It is currently 12. It's going up to 15. I did not know the federal rate was that low. That's Yeah, bad. still. Yeah, still $7.25 an hour. So, cool. Uh, That's for sure neat. keeping up with inflation. Real neat. No. But yeah, I mean, uh, $10 an hour in uh, 1990, it equates to about $21 an hour now in 2022. Wow. So That's actually a good pay rate. Not for bad right for a high school. school dropout, you know? Yeah. Go get a job at a construction site. Yeah. So you can kind of see why, why Nick's a little excited. Yeah. Because well, it'll probably sense. end up making more money than his dad right? Uh, if Tony takes that job. Yeah. And that just sort of ends that scene. It does. They just sort of ended on that. Like, Nick yep. Nick is happy that someone got hurt. The next scene, we're back in the school. The well-meaning guy in the suit is all excited because Washington is sending an observer, mm-hmm. and that's exciting. And then George comes up to be an asshole. It's like, well, too bad. Tony just dropped out for good. And then there's ominous music. <laughs> so that sucks. My note on this is George is a real dingus. <laughs> he is a dingus, yeah. Next scene, we're back in the construction site, and it's right outside an apartment right? complex, so the neighbors must love Just that. wild. <laughs> right? I cannot imagine if there was a construction site this noisy right outside our window, I would lose my mind. Yeah, with all that yelling happening. Lose my mind, yeah. Hey, we're pouring concrete over here! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we've got Tony and Nick, and there's a bunch of people, and they're all hard at work. Nick notices that the concrete seems a little bit thin. Seems a little thin. That seems ominous, but they tell him not to worry about it. MacGyver comes up, mm-hmm. wandering in. I wear more PPE at the brewery right. when I'm just in my lab with minimal risk than he's, he's currently wearing. wearing like, because soft I canvas le- shoes and, je- yeah. and dad jeans. I at least wear non-slip steel-toe right. shoes the majority of the time that I'm at the brewery, and he's got, like, nothing. I, I do at my <laughs> network administrator job. I wear steel-toe. Right. What are you doing, Mac? Yeah, so he's just wandering around, no hard hat, no boots, no nothing. He comes wandering up to Tony and asks what happened and why he wasn't in school, and Tony says that it's money and there's no teachers bugging him. So, yeah, fair point, Tony. Can't really blame you for that. Do you think they cut out the scene where Tony's like, "Uh, I'm making $10 an hour, and MacGyver's like, fuck, what? (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) That's a good rate of pay for these days. Where's that bald guy? (laughs) 
Well, MacGyver doesn't care that Tony claims to be happy here. He hands him some information about some engineering scholarships that aren't based on grades, but are based on design instead. And he thinks that Tony's got a real shot for this. And so that would be cool. But then Nick comes up, and this is where it becomes really obvious that he can't read. He has no idea what that sign says. He points to a sign that says hard hats required and says, can't you read? Can't no you trespassing. Read? Either way, MacGyver's in violation, <laughs> but... That's beside the point. Nick tells him to leave Tony alone, which he is within his rights to do. Before MacGyver leaves, though, he tries to tell Tony to let him know if he needs anything. Tony insists he's fine, but MacGyver does leave him Mm -hmm. with the engineering scholarship information, though. It does bring us to the foreman's office, though. Yes. Where we find out the inspector's name. Ooh, Barney. I missed it. Barney. Barney. Everyone's got a B name. Yeah, it's weird. So the inspector is named Barney. Wait, and by B, I mean G. Yeah, you know, G, B. <laughs> There's a guy named Bob. Yeah, it's fine. Nick, you know, yeah. Nick. Anyway. Nick's, a, Nick's a B name. Nick's a B name, yeah. <laughs> yep. But Barney's, Barney's rightfully, he's upset because it looks like they're cutting corners. And, and he gives the paperwork to the foreman. Do you know what the foreman's name is? Bob. Buck. Oh. You know, because the buck stops here. Ah. Buck. Yeah, so Buck, the foreman, gets the paperwork. And I have a note here that says they should have had the radiation detector bullshit. Do we think this will come around? Obviously not. Buck hands Barney an envelope full of cash. And that's bad because Tony's around the corner watching all of this go down. Not at all stealthily looking around the corner of the door that he's hiding behind. I might add. He can sneak up behind his mother, but he can't. For some reason, I don't know. Maybe he's just invisible. He clicked the right stick and he is just... You know, hidden state. <laughs> he grabs the crumpled up paper. That's the grift paperwork. He runs out of the office to go show his dad. Well, that was after the foreman and the inspector had left, and he yeah. had stayed behind and actually like had to go through the yeah, trash. Yeah, he, he to had to go grab paper. it from the garbage. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they had gone off to get coffee, which is important. right. Because because it, it was uh, it was here's an envelope of cash. Hey, yeah. you want to go get coffee? Time for coffee. So yeah. so really, it, it became a business turned into pleasure. Right. Because you know that was a date, coffee. right? Right. Yeah. 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 Barney and Buck. Yeah. That's a it's a whole different show. I'm yeah. writing that one too. Excellent. Yeah. I will look forward to watching yeah. it. Barney and Buck. Grifters at large. <laughs> Construction grifting. But yeah, I mean he runs back out to the work site and ex- excitedly wants to show his dad. I'm exposing them. Everything's bad. Look at this terrible thing I found. Look at this awesome thing that's gonna like basically put you out of a job. Yeah, yeah Tony, he's presumably a teenager, even though the actor is 27 years old. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. I mean, he's playing someone who's 10 years his junior, so yeah. he's just mentally putting himself in that state. <laughs> <laughs> the 90s were weird. Uh, they were so weird. So he's not thinking ahead saying like, oh, this is going to get my dad fired, but whatever. No. It then is pretty obvious that his dad can't read again. Yeah. He's like, ah, this doesn't mean anything. Like, no, it means fucking everything. Doesn't look like anything to me. It just doesn't look like anything to me. I, I should not be allowed to watch television, basically, because I have <laughs> Buck glares. Buck consults with Nick. Nick glares. Buck glares again. <laughs> I mean, that is pretty much what happened. There's a lot there of glaring. consulting and glaring. And then fire yeah. when Buck set yeah. the, the paper on fire. Yeah. Tony and Nick both leave the scene and uh, camera focuses on Buck. Buck looks around shiftily and then lights the thing on fire. But Tony saw that. He did. And then dun, 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 the commercial. Right. 
after the commercial, presumable commercial, we're back in the school. It's dark. It's nighttime. There's a random teacher walking down the hall wearing a full suit. Mm. I don't know why they'd be wearing a full suit, but he was wearing a full suit. George is still at work mm-hmm. in his office. MacGyver's still there for reasons, writing something. George goes and finds MacGyver and asks why he's still there since it's almost midnight. And MacGyver is apparently handwriting yeah. a report on Tony to the principal. I mean, word processors were a thing. Yeah. So why he's writing this by hand, I don't know. Computers existed, man. This is like... They did. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the guy in the suit's named Blake. He's the security guard. He is guard. named Blake. I, is he a security uh-huh. guard? I thought he was another teacher. He was okay. He was in the background scene when they were handcuffing Tony. Oh, uh, yeah. okay. Yeah, they did handcuff him when they took him yeah, off Yeah, after the before, uh, right. chef's kiss <laughs> hallway run. Right. Forgot to mention that part. Yeah. So the security guards wander around the building at night in full suit and tie right. because reasons. Professionalism. Yeah. George sarcastically is giving MacGyver a hard time about this report that he's writing about how Tony is an example of fine success. And MacGyver (laughs) says the system is failing kids like Tony and then reminds George that he is a part of the system. And this is where we get all of George's backstory about why he's so bitter and angry and why he's so convinced that everything is destined for failure. It's, It's a two and a half minute monologue that's actually pretty good. Sadly, nothing yeah. has changed in the 30 years this has happened. But my only note on this, unfortunately, is throw it on the ground. Ain't gonna be part of this system. Because they're talking about the system. So George says that he was Albert Schweitzer, Martin Luther King, and Bobby Kennedy all rolled into one. He was an idealist. He was going to make a difference. He had the solutions for poverty, drugs, and racial inequality, everything. And then he found out that he only gets a single drawer in an office that he shares with a bunch of teachers and no classroom of his own and 45 kids Mm. in a class, which he's especially pissed about, which is actually quite a lot. But he says that 20% of his job is teaching and 80% is keeping Mm -hmm. order. And basically, long story short, he's way overworked and underpaid. He can't pay his mortgage. He has no money in the bank. And he can just barely keep up with the order keeping and is not doing enough teaching. He's been beaten down by the whole system. And he has become jaded by the whole thing. He leaves. MacGyver chases after him and tells George that he can still make a difference by not taking out his frustration on the kids. They have a good heart-to-heart here. George yeah. wants to know what he's supposed to do, and MacGyver tells him to get in touch with the version of himself that used to care. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of shouting, and we see Tony running down the hall, running away from Blake. Blake. And they catch Tony. Blake accuses him of breaking Mm -hmm. into the lab and stealing stuff. But Tony says he's just there to get the nuclear thingy Mm -hmm. because he is worried that people are going to get hurt because he saw the foreman give the inspector a bribe. MacGyver is incensed. George asks if he told anybody. And the only person that he told was his dad. But his dad didn't care. So his dad must be in on it. So MacGyver is going to take Tony back to the work site and tells George and Blake to keep the school open because that's a thing. Okay, sure. In in George's defense, however, George stepped up. George George said, you know what? It's on me. I got this. Yeah. George, well, George seemed to really take MacGyver's words to heart. He's a good guy. Seeming to have a change of heart as a result of what MacGyver just said in 30 seconds. We watched it in real time. We did watch it in real time. George's heart growing two and a half sizes or However that's, many a, it was. that's a problem. You should, George should go to a doctor. He should. That's, that is an enlarged no, heart, and that is very dangerous. No, yeah, it's bad. You don't want no. that. You don't want your heart to grow. At least once you're an adult anyway. If you're a kid, then that's fine. Interestingly enough, though, they did not end up getting the nuclear thingy. 
They did not get the nuclear no. thingy. No. Because the next scene, we're, we're outside in a thunderstorm. Yeah. We're on the construction site, I guess. Lots of sneaking. A level of sneaking that is equivalent to sneaking around a old mothership. Oh, 100%. There's, uh, yeah. there's a decent amount of dog barks in the background. There were. There were lots of corners to hide behind, also like a old mothership. They, they mentioned the word butt can, which is just funny. <laughs> yes, they did. So, so Tony and Mac are at the construction site. They know where the burnt remains of that report are. It's in the butt can. <laughs> butt can. <laughs> butt can. <laughs> Which is a nice little steel can where they throw their cigarette yeah. butts. But yeah. there's a problem. And that, that problem's in the mustache in the form of Skip. <laughs> Skip Skip the mustache. He's wandering around. It turns out later, Skip's actually armed. My dude is yeah. packing. Yeah, he has a firearm. Here. Skip is the security guard. Do you want me to do a dramatic reading of my notes? I do. Okay. I would love for you to do a dramatic okay. reading of your notes. There is nothing I would like more, in fact. Exterior. Thunderstorm, construction site, dog barks, sneak, 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 real good mentor, Mac, butt can, lol, I'll work around back, yeah, you will, Mac, (laughs) uneasily leaped over wall, and yet he opened the door, sound of rain, and yet no actual rain, guard skulks, Mac sneaks, why did they need a stunt actor for the ladder? They did. They had a stunt actor for when he went down the ladder. Didn't even notice. That's weird. (laughs) Max steals the butt can. Tony glares. Mustache is armed. Thunderclap. Rain intensifies. And it's now actually raining. Dun, dun, dun. To commercial. Return. Exterior. Construction site. Thunder. Rain. Skip. Lol. It's three o'clock in the goddamn morning. It's ridiculous. Uh, Mac, Mac gets the butt can. He escapes back up the ladder, but his foot falls through the broken ass wood and he's stuck. And Skip heard it. Skip is going to find him. Skip pulls his gun. Skip is looking around, ready to pop off. This is where Tony comes into action. Tony very fecklessly throws his wallet in a very obvious way and then yells to the armed man who is clearly on edge Hey, can you help me? <laughs> Skip, is that you? So Tony uses his predetermined knowledge. He diffuses the whole situation. Skip thinks he's just being helpful, helping a person find his wallet, yada, yada, yada. They get out of there. They have the butt can. They go into MacGyver's tiny old-fashioned truck with that butt can. That thing must smell so bad. Right? The music that was playing here was so triumphant, too. I don't know if you noticed that, but yeah, it was very triumphant music. The very, the very end of my dramatic notes section here is... I loved your dramatic oh, reading, you. by the way. It was fantastic. The distraction works. Tony gets the wallet. Skip doesn't think any the wiser. Mac escapes. Hey, we're walking here! <laughs> they go back to the school because, yeah, of course, that's, that's the go. best place to do At this. three o'clock in the goddamn morning. three o'clock in the fucking so morning, So it has yeah. now been three hours since yeah. they last talked to George. Yeah. I hope George wasn't just hanging around, like... Got just... some rest. Yeah. I, well, I don't think that they see him there when they get back. True. So anyway, I hope George is home and sleeping now. Tony and MacGyver go through the trash, and they're looking at the paper. Somehow it's still intact yeah. and not just a crumpled mess of ash. And so even though it's all black and charred, MacGyver kind of manages to gently remove it and partially unfold it. He gets some glycerol that he says is going to soften the ash and tells Tony to go to the dark room to get a camera with some infrared film. I wanted to know what kind of impoverished school has a dark room because even our fairly 
high middle class high school that you and I went yeah. to did not have a dark At room. At around I don't the same time, most, yeah. Most schools do not have a dark no. room. So why would this school that is supposedly so poor and cannot make ends meet with, have a dark room? With infrared film. But it does. Infrared film is with not infrared standard. Film. That is like... Yeah. It, no, it is not. That's like deep space telemetry kind of bullshit. Right. So Tony runs off to go get the camera and the film like he was told. Mm-hmm. MacGyver fills a spray bottle with glycerol, which... Glycerol is really viscous. You're not going to spray that on anything, but whatever. MacGyver very gently sprays down the paper, and then we got kind of a a time-elapse montage of him using two sticks to very gently flatten it out on a piece of glass. I have this written as science-calibrated sticks. Yeah, science calibrated mm-hmm. sticks. Very importantly, calibrated science sticks. Tony finally comes back in. I wanted to know why it took him right? so long to get the camera when the dark room was right, right the next door. There. <laughs> but like the time lapse that we had of MacGyver straightening out the paper made it clear that it was a fair amount of time. Tony took forever finding this camera. And then they go back into the dark yeah. room. So I don't know why MacGyver nope. even sent him to the dark room to bring back a camera when they were just going to go right back into the dark yeah. room in the next scene anyway. Mac could be anything. He could be yeah. an FBI agent. He could be a detective. He could solve cold cases. But no, he's, yeah. he's helping his buddy take down a corrupt right. inspector. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so Greffrey, yes. I was very curious as to whether or not mm-hmm. this science would hold up at oh. all. And I was very skeptical. So I did a little experiment nice. in our kitchen and I found a piece of paper, oh. a, a document that I burned. It was definitely not our marriage license oh, yeah? that I burned. Okay. And so I set the document on fire. Mm-hmm. And we don't have glycerol in the apartment, obviously. But the best thing that I had next to that was dish soap. So I put some dish soap in a spray Mm -hmm. bottle with a little bit of water because dish soap's not going to spray. I sprayed down my burned paper to see if I could actually move it around a little bit more readily than I could with it in its dry ash form. And you know what? Holy shit, I could. Really? It actually stayed together. So we're we're still married (laughs) on paper? Uh, Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, except for the fact that in moving the burnt paper into uh-huh. the sink, the, almost the entire paper fell apart. All so I am very skeptical that in huh. dumping it out of the trash can, mm. it wouldn't have completely fallen apart. But he was very gentle. However, whatever little whatever little bit was left, w- once sprayed down with glycerol, which is apparently a humectant, which means that it attracts water molecules, mm. it would have actually uh, held together not as well as they, I think, depicted in the show, but held together better than just the dried out burnt paper on its own did. I actually tried hand sanitizer as oh. well because that also has a high amount of glycerin it's in true. it, and that yeah. didn't work as well, which wasn't surprising because the alcohol in it would have been drying. Yeah. I, I do have a question for you, though. Yes. The question about your science experiment? Yes. When you were doing it, yes. did did you lock gaze uh, with your young ward, and you say that sometimes there are things hidden under the surface, and you just got to know how to bring them out? Only Coconut and Lily were here, so I said that to Coconut. <clears throat> Did your young ward lock gaze with you and look meaningfully on while you did this work? I mean, Coconut always does yeah. that because she's she's very tuned in to me. So, yes. Okay. Yeah. Good. Because that seems to be yeah. the secret to MacGyver's right. success. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So, I uh, I had to check out the science. So, it might be slightly plausible. <laughs> it is slightly plausible. Not too surprisingly, when I just did a search for glycerol and ash, (laughs) nothing came up. So I'm like, all right, I got to try this myself then. So I am skeptical that the paper would still be intact enough for them to even use the glycerol on it. However, if it was, the glycerol did seem to hold the paper together better than with it 
not having anything sprayed on it. Much better. To the point where, like I said, I could move it without it falling apart, which I was not able to do when it had not been sprayed. Paper doesn't really burn like that, though, right? Like No. It was so perfectly burned. Yeah, it was like it was still mostly cohesive. I don't know what kind of paper that was because the piece of paper that I burned mostly fell apart when I burned it. Was is this like a uh, Stradivarius situation? I was not playing my violin at the time, well, like, so I don't know. Even with modern technique, we can't really make a Stradivarius uh, violin because we don't have uh, access. Yeah, to the I lacquer. don't know if maybe. So maybe yeah, we maybe don't have access to different. that paper anymore. Yeah, I don't know. It it's possible. been thirty years. It has been thirty years. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my fun science facts for that, that scene. That is fascinating. Because well, they, they do some interesting things with that paper. They do. A- after they set up the camera to take a picture of it through the pieces of glass, which is, that's how you would do that. Yeah. Mac focuses the camera without actually looking through the viewfinder. <laughs> As you he do. He just eyeballs it third yep. person. <laughs> yeah. And then right. for some reason, they decided they needed to pan the camera over the clock and show that it was like, seven o'clock in the morning they've just been up for like 25 hours yep it's good times in the school wild totally normal yeah neither one of them is affiliated with the school tony's been suspended and quit macgyver is not a teacher nope but blake likes them or at least likes those places yeah (laughs) so they've got the document sandwiched between two pieces of glass is completely black and charred but now that they've got it the camera pseudo focused on it macgyver shines a light on it and says that it's going to bring up the phosphorescent properties of the ink okay okay they turn off the light they take a picture they develop the camera image and we can perfectly see the text that was written on it as a perfect negative because it phosphoresced under the Infra- the infrared, infrared film and so it looks perfectly uh, like a negative would with white text on a black background are all inks phosphorescent well see that's what i was going to ask you because i thought you would know more about printer ink than i would i couldn't find anything on the internet about whether or not inks tend to phosphoresce i don't know but the wild thing about this too is okay so 1989 mm-hmm. uh this was a document that was printed that yes. was then being written upon with a pen. Right. So it would have to be two different types right. of ink that both phosphorized. Yeah. At the same wavelength. Right. Which would be the infrared right. wavelength. Right. When exposed by a just a flashlight, full spectrum right. light. Yes. MacGyver! Exclamation point. The internet did not have any answers no. for me, even though I did search. I remembered that oh. our cameras all have infrared lights mm-hmm. on them. So I downloaded an app yeah. that lets you use the infrared properties of the front-facing camera and so i tried this as best i could i shown both the burnt paper and the non-burnt paper because i wanted to have control (laughs) up into a light our kitchen light and then i brought them back down turned the lights off in the kitchen and then tried to use the infrared camera Mm -hmm. on my phone to see if i could read any of the text on the paper I couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) So while I was delighted to discover that the dish soap actually did work pretty well to keep the ash together Uh into one cohesive piece of paper, I was unsuccessful getting any kind of infrared reading or anything from the paper. The, The burnt paper did 
show up a little bit more prominently, uh-huh. which is not surprising because I had just burned right. it. So, of course, it was a little bit hotter and would have more of an infrared signature than the room temperature paper. But that's all I could get was I could kind of see the outline of the paper themselves. I could not see any letters. So modern technology has made it so we can't MacGyver? We cannot MacGyver because of modern technology. Wow. And it did make me wonder, though, like, is there a difference in the dot matrix printer ink or whatever it was that they would have yeah. been using back then? But then also, like we said, they would have also had to have a ballpoint pen right. or I don't even think they had gel pens yet back then. So yeah. with the ink phosphorus, I don't know. The Internet had no, no. answers for me. Yeah, I mean, other than um, you can buy a specific phosphorescent sure. ink, but it didn't tell me anything about whether general like typical ink has any phosphorescent properties on any wavelength so i I don't know technically you're just looking at like temperature differences exactly but if both the ink and the paper are black i don't yeah i couldn't find anything Uh, and my experimenting was unsuccessful so i can't say it disproved the hypothesis but it for sure did not support the hypothesis i i could see where it would work but ah yeah i'm skeptical Eh. TV Very magic, skeptical. MacGyver! Exclamation point. Yay, MacGyver! <laughs> yep. Yeah. So they go it's down wild. to the construction site. Before that, MacGyver tells Tony, your father can't read. And Tony's like, ah, forget about it. It's fine. And that was just like, yeah. it was another one of those like, music stings, very special episode. Are you sure your mm-hmm. dad can read? Yeah. Well, Nick was very concerned that his dad was in on the whole thing. And then instead of being right. worried that his dad can't read, he was like, woo, that means he's not in right, on it exactly. then. Hey. It's it just like it excuses okay. Nick's behavior. Like yeah. Tony's like, oh, finally, my dad's okay. Yeah. Like, yep. nah, Nick still knows that shit's going down, dude. Whatever. Right. Yeah. He's still just turning a blind eye where he shouldn't be turning a blind eye. But okay, he gets a pass because he can't read, apparently. Exactly. Ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. Ah. At the construction site, which is where they have headed directly after they got this document printed out and photographed, the foreman is showing around the investor guy and telling him that they're all back on schedule. And then, uh-oh, we hear a loud grumbling noise. And then mm-hmm. a big concrete slab that's been suspended up on two other concrete slabs breaks apart. There are two guys standing on it at the time. And there's also a Nick standing under it. Oh. So... This concrete slab collapses down on Nick, very reminiscent to uh, how we saw Daniel's parents die in the Bar Cleeper episode. <laughs> so cool. It's cano- that was uh, Canonical Stargate. Canonical Stargate. We got to watch this in slow motion, which was awesome. And by awesome, I mean disturbing. What not Daniel's dad's name Nick? No, his grandfather's name is Nick. No, his grandfather's oh, shit. name is Nick. Is this Daniel's grandfather? Maybe this is Daniel's grandfather. Once he learns to read, he becomes a famous archaeologist. <gasps> Holy shit. Oh, it all wham, comes together. Wham. <laughs> <laughs> You're an absurd person. <laughs> so MacGyver and Tony get there as everyone is flipping out and trying to rescue Nick. Nick did not die. He is still under there. He can't talk, but he's banging a rock to let them know that he's still alive. And so because we had the Archimedes reference earlier, of course we have to use fulcrums and lever lengths in order to lift this slab off of Nick. In fact, Mac yells, oh, there's a fulcrum here. 
Right, exactly. He does. There is a very conveniently stacked triangle of lumber that's going to be a perfect fulcrum. So they managed to use an extra piece of metal to kind of lengthen the lever arm and a whole bunch of guys, including Tony, all pile up on that. And they're able to lift the concrete slab up just mm. enough to get Nick out of there. He's mostly okay, but thankfully the paramedics are on the way. Nick is grateful mm-hmm. that they've just saved his life. And Tony's like, yeah, well, that's fine. Who cares? But MacGyver and I have this paper, <laughs> see? <laughs> Which makes all of this bad. Right. And MacGyver loudly says that everyone's got some questions to answer, but like maybe worry about providing first aid for Nick first before we worry about all of these accusations. But no. Let's let's get my dude on a backboard and uh, and then we can talk. Right. Yeah, exactly. For sure, that should have been the priority, but it wasn't. So Nick and Tony are continuing to talk off by themselves while MacGyver's making his accusations to everyone else who's standing around. And Nick, for some reason, decides that this is the time to tell Tony that he doesn't know how to read. But before he can finish doing that, Tony cuts him off because Nick's like, I got to tell you something about me. We don't know what Nick was going to confess. No, you don't. I love you. Yeah, I, that's true. Maybe he wasn't going to confess that. It's just heavily implied. It's just I'm so not wild. your real dad. I'm not your, yeah, it's not your real mother. <laughs> There's so many things that could have happened. Except right? they're like, no, I know. It's about your reading. What? No, I can read fine. Why would you say yeah, that? I can read just fine. What are you? Why are you making assumptions? What? <laughs> just because I talk like this. Hey. I'm not really from New York. <laughs> oh, Oh, I'm sorry, son. This is what I actually sound like. (laughs) But no. I'm actually an archaeologist and I was abducted by aliens a while back. (laughs) This construction site was supposed to be a pyramid. Ah! (laughs) That's why we had that tiny pyramid of wood built first. That was our precursor. It was our model. There's the juice. Did you did you notice in this scene like how good Richard Dean Anderson is at acting heavy? Like acting heavy weight because he's trying yeah, to like yeah. move like, stuff like around or acting like pulling the heavy like... concrete block. Oh, RDA. Yeah. He's very good at acting heavy though, because mm-hmm. uh, he had those two bricks Pretending there. Pretending all yeah. the things were heavy. Yeah. Uh, may- maybe they actually were just real concrete, and they're like, it's possible. All right, Rick, you need to move those. <laughs> what the f- <laughs> how many takes are we doing? And then his, his <laughs> mullet reached out like prehensile and moved. <laughs> like, yes, like Moses parting the seas. <laughs> his mullet parted the stones. It's a very special episode. It is a very special episode. And we actually end the yeah. special episode back, back in, the school. in school. Yeah, Tony runs up to George and the well-meaning guy in the suit. We, we hear that Nick's out of the hospital. Yeah, the Nick's out of the hospital, but nobody cares because more <laughs> important than that, George has found his excitement to be an educator again. He's turning the page. And he has turned the page. Yeah. So uh, they're talking about how when Nick gets out of the hospital, he wants to learn how to read. So he's going to take some night classes. And George says maybe he's going to need a right. tutor. And MacGyver asks, you got someone in mind? And George says, someone who's excited about education again. And they all they smile all laugh. and laugh. Beam. And the episode is over. <laughs> Woo! Again, it's assumed no one ever actually says George is going to be the tutor. It's true. One thing I did notice, though, the last credit. Did you see who the executive producer is? Oh, I did. Henry Winkler. Hey! Oh, really? <laughs> it explains the accents. It does. Yeah. So, yeah. My man is uh, the ex- executive producer of MacGyver. I had no idea. Interesting. I didn't yeah. either. Yeah. Uh, so, Griffey. Yes. 
Well, first of all, I keep calling uh-huh. you Grefri. Would you like to tell everybody why I call you Grefri? <laughs> for, <laughs> for about, uh, hello, fine listeners. Uh, my, my name is Jeffrey with a G. And uh, for a long time, about 10 years, the local DMV thought my name was spelled with an R, an extra R. So it said Grefri. Uh, and I was too lazy to fix it until I finally had to. And so ever since high school, that means that Kathy and I have called him Jeffrey instead of Jeffrey. Yeah. Yeah. It's delightful. It is delightful. <laughs> I find it delightful. So, Jeffrey, yes. did you like the episode? I did not. Oh, okay. It was very dumb. <laughs> it was. It was, it was far too a very special episode. I, I have a, a great deal of fondness for MacGyver as a character and as a show, but I will admit I have not seen a show in 30 years so Mm -hmm. my brother and I grew up watching MacGyver and we were big fans of Richard Dean Anderson but I've never returned to it I've never revisited it and maybe the whole show is like this (laughs) it's entirely possible it's a show from the 80s so a lot of the shows are like this but this one in particular was a little too uh we have three themes and we're gonna hit you over the head with them over and over and Mm. uh sometimes MacGyver gets to do some shit with a camera like the amount of MacGyvering in this episode was very light. Yeah, I was wondering because I did mm-hmm. feel underwhelmed by the MacGyvering. And I was like, this is very low stakes. Yes. I was hoping for more explosions and more hardcore sciencing than we saw. Extremely, yeah. Ma- ma- yeah. The good okay. MacGyver episodes have a lot of MacGyver in them where he, okay. where he is doing completely implausible things with a paperclip. And everyone is like, well, how do you do that? Okay. Yeah. So I, I kind of got shortchanged you did. on this being only my second experience with MacGyver. The, my first experience being I actually did watch the first episode at one mm-hmm. point several years ago, but this is only the second episode I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, and okay. I don't think even the pilot episode is a very good MacGyver episode. Like, mm, interesting. Uh, they're, Maybe they're, I should give it more of a try. Eh, I mean, it's it's also like <laughs> it's pretty cheesy 80s, 90s yeah. show, so maybe it doesn't hold up. I don't know. Mm. Uh, I had mixed feelings on the episode. I kind of enjoyed the science part. I especially enjoyed finding out that I was skeptical about the glycerol thing, uh-huh. as I mentioned, and it actually worked way better than I thought That's it would cool. to keep the, the ashen paper together. So I found that part interesting. But yeah, otherwise, it was pretty much just your run-of-the-mill cliche mm-hmm. episode about kids dropping out of high school and trying to keep them engaged and keep them in high school. And the person that supposedly can read, and then we find out that, shockingly, this person can't read. <laughs> so it was fine. It was just not all that interesting it was really interesting to me though to see jack to see see richard dean anderson in such a different role because he's essentially like almost the antithesis of his sg1 character in this in that jack is so anti-science and plays somebody who's way more dumb than everybody like it's clear that he's not dumb as kathy and i talk about like clearly his character is not dumb but his character plays dumb and so to see him be like this completely Uh pro-science super smart guy which is the opposite of who he normally plays was really interesting and then chris judge Uh also played a polar opposite to how i'm used to seeing him because you know you watch you watch sg1 yeah exactly you watch sg1 so you know how it is he's a very stoic person very serious and so to see him as this jokey smiley person in this show was really interesting to me. So I appreciated seeing these uh, different sides the, the of 25 year old, both of the actors. Right. Exactly. I appreciated seeing the different sides of these actors that we don't normally see in SG one, but I would say that like that part. And then my enjoyment of experimenting with the science <laughs> were, were kind of the extent of my enjoyment of the episode. Otherwise it was, as I said, pretty cliche for 
what you would expect from a very special episode mm. of any kind of sitcom of the t- the time. On a scale of one to mullet, how would you rate the hair? Oh, I would rate the hair a mullet plus in this episode Excellent. on that scale of one to mullet. How about you? What would you say? Uh, uh, definitely. Uh, it's it's one kitten play. Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, who, who's sure. your drunk Shimoda? Oh, wait. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Wrong podcast. <laughs> but George Fraley. I mean, come on. Yeah, obviously. So at this point, I would normally be asking Kathy what's next, but uh, you are not Kathy, and also you I don't necessarily know Cookies. what's happening in next, except that you are Cookies. Kathy. Yes. So, so while Kathy is probably not going to be back by next week, I do have something planned. As I mentioned earlier, Colin, one of our favorite people, Colin, is going to be helping me out for uh, one more week here, and we're going to be talking about the Simpsons episode, season seventeen, episode seventeen, "Kiss Kiss Bang Bangalore," which is the episode where there is an SG one convention happening as the B story with whatever A story we don't care about when, <laughs> in the when same did episode. That episode air. Uh not that long ago. Wait, maybe it did. Season I don't know. What season 17. are they on now? Yeah, it was season seventeen, so I don't remember. There are seven hundred and thirty one episodes of The Simpsons. Yeah. Good lord. Lot. They are currently on season thirty three. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So maybe uh, I guess that was a long time. Ago. 2006. <laughs> so probably around 16 years ago. Okay. Wow. 2006. So yeah, about 16 years ago. Yeah. April 9th. Cool. 2006. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's what we've got coming up next. And then uh, if all goes well, our beloved Kathy will be back with us after that. Anything else that you'd like to say? Butts, 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 butts. I feel like that's an important message. I appreciate you adding butts. that. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure that you subscribe if you haven't already done so, so that you can get our episodes as soon as they come out every Wednesday. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram. Our email is stargatesing at gmail.com. Our website is stargatesing.space. Wow, forgot our our website for a second there. If you're feeling generous, you can find us on patreon.com slash stargatesing. You can't find Jeff on any medium or platform because why would you want to? I'm Mary. I'm Jeffrey. <laughs> and you've been listening Butts. to Stargating of some sort. <laughs> the end. The end. You're an absurd person. <laughs>I don't have a pop filter, so if my plosives are too popping in the plosive pop filter. Your plosives sound just fine, even with my pop filter. I don't know if my plosives might be more explosive now that I'm trying to... Explosive, maybe in editing, you'll... Anyway, (laughs) after... That... I'll leave leave all that in. <laughs> yeah, of course. That'll probably be an outtake before or after. <laughs>